1: Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne covering all things Magic Basketball. by fans for fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the six man show. Today is June 6th, 2022. Jonathan Osborne here. As always, I'm joined by my co host, Luke Sylvia. Luke, what's up? It is
2: the final episode that I will ever record in this apartment. Uh, it's where I recorded my first episode with the six-man show uh, back in 2020. So it, there is some sentimental, despite the the bare walls that I always record with behind me and all of those things. It's uh, it, There is some sentimental value for sure because on Wednesday night, um, I will be recording from a friend's house. Shout out Nathan Linbo. One of our uh, patrons actually just happens to be a best friend of mine. Um, so we're going to be recording there because we have to turn in like our Wi-Fi and all that, you know, cable and everything to, to, to Cox Cable and all that. So, um, so yeah, so this is the final
1: um, episode that we'll be recording. Very special episode. Uh, we sat down and chatted with Kobe Price, the Orlando Magic beat writer of the Orlando Sentinel. Just to talk about, he was at the draft lottery in Chicago when that happened. So we talked about his reaction and just kind of being there and what that was like. Talked about the draft combine. Uh, we talked about um, you know, the, some of the other prospects. Jet Jabari Luke re- made a reference to his internet service provider, and now we're laughing about that because we're five John years old. Laughing about it. There was also there also might have been something that happened <laughs> in our interview with Kobe Price. Kobe Price. You know, he did nothing wrong. I was being mm. immature, and he was talking about Jabari being a big, long defender, and I started laughing about that. And Kobe, if you're listening, I was not laughing at you. I was, I was just my own immaturity mm. came to the surface. Mm. I started laughing. Luke started laughing, and now we're acting like idiots. This again. all started with John. Anyways, by the way. anyway, continue. It was all my fault. It was great. all my fault twice now. So I mm-hmm. do apologize, but um, yes. So it was a great. Chat with Kobe Price, always very insightful, uh, closer to the team really than anybody. So if there's anyone to ask these questions of, it would be Kobe Price. So again, really appreciate Kobe Price joining the show. Always great to sit down with Kobe. Coming up on the 23rd, the night of the NBA draft, we'll be having like a pre-draft hangout kind of thing at Harry Buffalo from 5 o'clock to 6.30. And then the Magic are having their official draft party at Amway starting at 6 30 so we're going to walk over from Harry Buffalo to Amway we're all going to try to sit in section 106 hang out there just like we did last year and watch the draft unfold now Kobe made a reference to this on our with our chat with him we've seen it on social media people are very like clearly at this point drawing the line in the sand it's been you know about three weeks now since the NBA draft lottery. People are now really like tightening down the person that they want the Magic to pick at one. You're seeing like less um, indecisiveness. You're seeing people be a lot more clear on who they want the Magic to draft. And in some pockets of Orlando Magic Twitter, it's getting kind of you know chippy. It's getting a little ugly. You know, people are uh, are really like disparaging some of the other guys to make the case for the guy that they want to pick. Me, I know where a lot of other people are. Like, we are really good with Paolo, Chet, or Jabari at number one. But I felt the need to say this. The night of the draft, we're all going to be packed into the Amway Center. There's going to be cameras on fans reacting to the pick. Remember that. Okay, be conscious of that in the moment. The way that you react the entire NBA world is going to be looking at Orlando that night to the way that we react to that pick. Okay? This is the point where I'm going to tell you, keep it together regardless of who the Magic pick. If you're ecstatic, be ecstatic. If you're unhappy with the pick, just stand there and clap anyways. Don't boo. Don't show your disgust. The whole world is going to see that. And the guy that we draft is going to see that as well. And that is not a good way to start his career. I'm not a fan of telling people to you know hide their emotions or fake their emotions or anything like that, except in this instance. Because again, there's going to be a microscope on Orlando that night. And if we are booing the pick, it will be exactly like that little kid booing the Chris Tapp's Porzingis pick back in 2015 or whenever that draft was with Porzingis. Okay? So just remember that. Again, the night of of the draft if you are at Amway just react appropriately to the draft and this is what I will say you want to cheer the number 1 mm-hmm. pick who regardless of who it is because you want you need them to be successful if you care about this team the way that you say you do the way that you claim to you need this guy to be successful in Orlando because if it's not it's going to put this franchise back a number of years so whoever the pick mm-hmm. is React appropriately. That's all I'm going to say. Cheer yes. the pick. Now, if they turn out to be a bust, drag them through the mud. Call <laughs> them a bust. Whatever you want. Six months from now, one year, two year, three year, four year, five years from now. Whatever you want to do, the night of the draft, do not boo. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I think that and what I'll add is like, yes, you should cheer for the number one pick in any circumstance. It's the number one pick. Here's the other thing, right? The, the people that I see, you know, Twitter... Wherever, Twitter's the only place, let's be honest, that I look at magic stuff um, from other fans and stuff. So what I'll say, there's a lot of people, like you said, they're, they're drawing the line in the sand. They see things, and then they don't see things, right? Like, they when it comes to Jabari or Chet, they say, oh, man, like, I'm good with with Paulo or, or Chet, but I just don't see it with Jabari or vice versa, right? I just don't see it. I see a lot of people saying that. I, I'll give you my two cents. I don't care if you don't see it. I don't care because you're not the one getting paid to see it. You know, like you're, 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 you're a person that is not, that is not their job. And, and, and at all, like in any sense. Right. So it just, it pains me, right? These people in the top, these players are top three for a reason. So come draft night, trust the front office, be a magic fan and cheer for that player. Because guess what? Whether you like it or not, there's, you're stuck with them. You're stuck with them for a while because it's going to take a little bit for anyone to give up on them. Hopefully we don't get to that point. But if you boo in that moment, if there's a section of you guys that are booing, they put it on ESPN. They put it on Bleacher Report. They put it everywhere. It's going FS1. It's going everywhere. And the only person that's going to look dumb in this case is in a few years if that player has like blossomed into an incredible player and be like, ah, remember when they booed? Bunch of idiot fan base. I'm done being the being the irrelevant fan base. So let's cheer and just hope that this guy becomes uh, an all star superstar, everything that we need him to be. Because like Jonathan said, this is really the, the course of this franchise rests on the draft. And
1: I would even say if you boo, you're going to look like an idiot that night. Like nobody's like, oh, yeah, look at that guy booing. because That guy sucks like nobody knows. So just don't boo react appropriately to the to the draft. That's true. And and well, God, well,
2: God, you you don't you don't you know you well, God does not reveal who he is, right? Shout out, well, God. But what I will say is, if Jabari gets drafted, and there's only <laughs> one guy in the arena booing, that's well, God to me for the rest of time. So remember that if you're listening to this, well, God, I'll never hear anything else. People will be like, that's actually well, God. I'm like, no, it's not. It's the one person I saw booing Jabari get picked that night. So there's that.
1: All right, folks, really quickly before we get into the conversation that we had with Kobe Price, we're going to go ahead and shout out our brand new patrons, so shout out to Jonathan Parent and the Squad Up Podcast, our newest patrons, really really appreciate you guys, Uh, Little Penny, I don't know if we we shouted out Little Penny last week, he's a new patron as well, if I already shouted you out. Well, you just got another shout out, but uh, appreciate all of our new patrons. If you guys are interested in helping financially support the show and help us do what we do, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. And we shout out our new patrons every single week. New added benefit, we're going to start doing monthly raffles. We're going to raffle off a free six-man show t-shirt each month. Um, and we're also getting ready to sh- uh, ship out some awesome stickers, six-man show stickers to um, you know each of our patrons. So if you guys are interested in any of that, uh, make sure you go ahead and sign up for the Patreon. And we're also uh, working on the, the Discord is really popping off lately. So if you guys want to be able to communicate with us there... Again, you can join one of the Patreon tiers that we have. Again, patreon.com slash the6manshow. And then we shout out all of our patrons every single episode. Shout out Court Cousins, Drew Gooden, Armin, Keith Garcia, Zico, Carson Tulo, Nathan Lynn, Ellis, Jonathan Borges, Norm L, Magic Player History, Julio Bailey, Matt Lyman, Eric Segovia, Gabe Gaines, Wiffle, Michael Martin, Jamel Miller, Franz Godefusho, Ryan Singh, Blake Bickerstaff, The Distract, Your Boy Dave J., Eric Randall, Pierre A., Wally Akbar, Eli, Migzors, Nostalgia, and M&Ms, Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Joe Thomas, Stephen Walker, Lil Penny, Jonathan Parent, and the Squad Up Podcast. Thank you guys all so much. Without further ado, we are going to get to the conversation.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: with kobe price and now we are joined by orlando magic beat writer for the orlando sentinel kobe price second time on the show uh when he was first on the show he was just getting settled in orlando kobe did any of our listeners come and help you move like we talked about (laughs) how was the move in (laughs)
3: the moving was smooth uh nobody actually came to help me and in their defense and their defense i didn't follow up on the okay. asking. all right all right my, my stepdad helped me move it in. i was good from that point my girlfriend helped my girlfriend came like the following weeks so we were all good didn't need any help so i didn't ask that's not all okay, them. That's on okay. Me. all right all right I, I have great belief that they would have come we,
1: through we, we are about to have to have a whole sidebar <laughs> with our listeners for not helping out kobe but uh, how are you uh, uh, liking good. orlando so far
3: no, no, Orlando's nice. I really like it. I know I, we were talking about this off camera, you know, before the recording, but like just early today, you know, I live near the arena, I live downtown. So I was just, you know, walking around the downtown Orlando area, um, at least when it wasn't as sunny outside, you know, get, get the clouds yeah. so I'm not smoking while walking. But I like it. You know, nice city, it's, you know, vibrant. So it's, it's a good place to be.
1: I mean, you, you know, you know, Florida. You, you were in South Florida for a while. This time of year, you can't step outside for more than 30 seconds. Without coming back, you know, sweating like crazy. But Kobe, your yeah, f- yeah, your first yeah, season, yes, about it. yeah, your first season covering the team. Now, um, how was the season from from your perspective? You know, covering the team. How was it for you?
3: Uh for me personally, just like a huge learning experience. You know, first time, you know, covering an NBA team. You know, for significant chunks of the season, I've done NBA work in the past, backup writer, blogging, etc. But to go through an entire season day in and day out, it, it was definitely a learning experience and something that I cherish, something I'm grateful for. Uh, if you look at it from, I guess, like covering the magic, there was a lot of uh, a lot of game stories that had to do with losses. Uh, so that may like, to find some new interesting angle each and every game or each and every day it was definitely something that pushed me as, you know, a writer, as someone who's like, you know, trying to bring ideas to the table. Um, but all in all, it was smooth. I enjoyed it, and I appreciated the process. Uh, Appreciate the process, but also, you know, the experiences that came along the way.
2: What What did you find yourself, Kobe? Like, as far as you know, obviously prior to this, you were still in like a, a beat role, right? But in 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 a different sport, right? A different environment. There, what was that kind of like? I guess being just tethered to, to, to basketball and, and not, you know, what, what was the kind of the difference, the contrast and experience for you and also going from that to the NBA too.
3: Yeah, no. So before this, I think we talked about this on the previous time I was on, you know, covering a college football team day in and day out, completely different rhythm, a mm-hmm. completely different vibe. And covering an NBA team day in and day out, which is what I wanted to do ultimately, you know, get to the NBA, be on the NBA beat. But, you know, you could imagine, college football what you have four non-conference games and so you got what 12 games maybe 14 games 15 if you're like the mm-hmm. best team in the country For an NBA team that's just a month right <laughs> so it's just a lot more uh, it's just a lot more games the rhythms completely different you know for college football you know you take probably more time to like analyze a single game analyze a single moment like you can spread it out a little bit more for a basketball game it's like hey we just played a game on Tuesday in Boston. Guess what? We got a game on Wednesday in New York, and then you have a game, another game on Friday in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. So it's that kind of stuff that, you know, the rhythm of it is completely different, and you just have to be able to move on quicker, you know, jump from thing to thing quicker, um, especially, you know, as a beat writer. And then also pacing yourself because, like, college football, you're trying like – or even just football generally, you know, NFL college football, you know, it's only a small segment of the year. And you only have, you know, so many games. So you can take – I'd be a little bit more patient with some ideas – um, but with the NBA beat, you have to, you know, stretch it out a little bit more. Cause you're talking about going from, well, for me, I did December to April in terms of playing, but count the preseason, it's October to mid April. That's just the regular season. So it's just a lot more finding the little things, um, mm-hmm. that you can pinpoint, you know, from game to game from moment to moment. Um, just things like that, that's probably the biggest thing that I took away from this.
1: Kobe, how much traveling did you do with the team this season? Were you able to get on the road?
3: Yeah, I, uh, I'm trying to think, how many road trips did I do? I did the Brooklyn, Toronto, Atlanta road trip in December, was just turned into Brooklyn and Atlanta, because mm. like, within five minutes of getting to my hotel, maybe five right. to ten minutes That's right, I remember you tweeting Toronto. about that. Yeah, the game got postponed, mm-hmm. uh, and I was like, well, just got here, uh, thanks for everything <laughs> COVID, oh, what was that? Delta Omicron, one of the two. Uh, that was definitely Omicron. Thank, thanks for everything. Uh, so I was just in Toronto. So that was my first road trip, just a really strange one. Um, then I did a couple others. Uh, I did uh, uh, say, DC and Charlotte, Wizards and Hornets in mid-January, I want to say. And then I did Cleveland... Cleveland and, oh, Cleveland and Wizards uh, in late March. Uh, and then I did, like, uh, I did the Nuggets. Uh, like, the back, they did that West Coast road trip. I think it was, like, Phoenix. I don't remember. The it was, like, Phoenix, Utah, the Nuggets. And I, in Portland, I, the last game of the trip was Denver. So I did that trip, too.
1: Right before the all-star break. I think yeah, think it was like Denver was and then we had like Atlanta at home, I think. And then the all-star we, break
2: Kobe, the other day we were yeah. talking in our, in our group chat, me and and Jonathan and our uh, producer, Kevin, we were, we were just, we we're talking about like, what are your, you know, top five arenas that you would want to go watch the magic play in, whatever it of be. So I don't want necessarily say like that question, but Kobe, was there any arena you went to this season where you were like, man, this is like, check this off the bucket list. And, and outside of that, which one did you not get to go to that you're still looking forward to going to?
3: Oh man, I see I, I'm not I'm not trying to be rude at all. I'm just pu- pulling up my phone because oh, my dad and I have actually had this conversation uh, this season. So if you go on the iPhone, you can just like right. search. I'm looking at right. arena. Um, yes, there. They're, so the one arena that I didn't get to go to this season that I definitely want to go to uh, is. Playoffs are on, finals are on right now. I want to go to uh, what is it now? Chase, mm-hmm. Chase Center, Chase. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chase Center. And I was about to say Oracle and mess up the entire podcast. Yeah, Chase Center. I <laughs> Real ones know out about there. Oracle. Real
1: ones know wouldn't know it. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. They've only been there for what three years, so I think yeah. you still have in twenty twenty four. If you're still calling it Oracle, then that I guess that's like the point. are <laughs> yeah. like, all right, catch up now. Get out the get out the old man clouds. But yeah, no. Um, that's definitely one I want to go to. The, of the arenas I went to this season. Barclays, I really like Barclays. It wasn't as, it's kind of weird because it's just like, it just like right in the, like plopped in the middle of Brooklyn and you're just kind of like, oh, Mm -hmm. like, you know, and I guess it's kind of like a more New York thing, um, if anything else, because you're used to like arenas being like kind of pushed to the side or like having their own like little Mm -hmm. quote-unquote like section of a city, that makes sense. But for Barclays, it's just like... Right there. just like, oh, okay. You kind of stroll up on it and be like, oh, shoot. But it's really nice. The inside is really nice. The arena that is probably going to surprise people that's really nice, but it's a really nice arena, Cleveland. Mm. The Cavs have a really, really nice arena. Uh, I think they reno- they renovated it, I think, in 2018, I want to say. It, I think it was after LeBron left. And the, rem- the reason I can kind of remember this, these are 2018 and 2019 cuz when Kevin Love signed his extension, that I think he's currently on. Like I think he signed it and they were like wearing hard hats inside the arena. I mm-hmm. uh, could be wrong, someone's to pull up that clip on YouTube Le- or Twitter. By all means.
2: LeBron LeBron left and they and they decided they had to do something to keep keep fans in the arena, so they, they <laughs> renovated the whole thing.
1: What is that now so, like yeah. the Rocket Rocket Mortgage mm-hmm. Fieldhouse or something like that? It used to be the Quicken Loans. Now it's like Rocket Mortgage something or other. Maybe. Yeah, Rocket Not Mortgage. Not important. <laughs>
3: Don't don't sell rocket mortgage that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, true, true.
1: <laughs> yes, I don't, that much You're money right.
3: is very important. Um, but yeah, that's probably one of the nicest arenas that I've been in. Mm. Um, Cleveland. It, it was it's really nice. It's really really nice.
1: Now you also did some traveling recently, Kobe. You you were in your hometown of Chicago uh, for the lottery mm-hmm. and for the the draft combine. I want to ask you about the draft combine in, in a little bit, but being at the lottery, obviously you're covering the magic, uh, you know, hoping to get the number one pick going into that night. What were your emotions, you know, if any, you know, going into, to that night, were you a little anxious? Were you excited? How are you feeling?
3: Um, emotionally, I was just kind of like, all right, because it's my first time going to the lottery. So for me personally, I'm just kind of like, all right, what's this all going to be about? Like I'm asking people like just personally, professionally, I'm just like asking people what's going on, what's going to happen, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, to kind of peel back the curtain, I'm sure people know this, but there's a room, like the actual lottery happens like an hour before what we see on TV, right? Yeah. Um, so, there was, I was also like kind of nervous. I was like, wait a second, was I invited into that room? <laughs> Am I going to that room? But... If, I, if, I, if I'm if I going to that room, I don't have my phone or my laptop on me. So, like, what am I going to do? What's going on here? But then, like, someone later told me, like, probably, like, an hour and a half to two hours before the lottery. Like, if you were supposed to be in that room, you would know. <laughs> so, don't worry about it. I was like, I kind of want to go in the room just to see what happens. But I really don't because I need to, like, be out here to, right. like, to see everything. Because people in the room can't watch the – they're not inside the uh, – they're not inside where, like, the television, the televised.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, the broadcast. So, like,
3: yeah, the actual uh, broadcast of the lottery. So I was just kind of like, that was like kind of nerve wracking. But once I got that, I was like, all right, we're good. But it was just kind of one of those experiences where I was just trying to think, all right, how's this going to go? The pacing of it. Thank God for commercial breaks, because uh, that really helped Like, helped me be like, all right, I have my story ready for whatever's going to happen. Commercial breaks has helped me like slow down mentally a little bit. What... Uh, so I was just kind of more just not nerve wracking, but just a little anxious to see what would happen. What did and they then, do?
2: What what they do, Kobe, during like the the commercial break before the top four picks were revealed? Like, do does it just like cut to commercial and does someone come up on the stage at all and like just to you know, break like silence? That might be weird. Like, obviously, there's so much energy probably in that room, and then they you know they they just cut to commercial for us you know people watching on TV. Did they do anything during that commercial break?
3: Uh, to be honest, I don't think so. I'm I'm gonna be completely honest. I was like working mm-hmm. like. I'm there sure everybody was. Record, uh, yeah, yeah. between, like, the top, you know, after the, the I guess, the top four was re- was revealed, I was, like, on my <laughs> laptop, just, like, all right, let me delete this, let me replace this, let me do that. Um, but I don't remember any, like, nobody was saying anything right? in terms of, like...
2: They uh, didn't have, uh, like, anybody it. on stage with a mic or anything like that to kind of try to yeah. entertain the guests.
3: Yeah, no, because there's, I mean, there's a lot of guests in there, too. Right. I think that's actually undersold. Mm. Like, there were a lot of people in that room um you know i'm bad with like estimates just from my eyes but it's like i feel like it's like a hundred a couple hundred people in that room That's in great. the lottery room so i mean people are just talking amongst themselves especially at the top four so you don't really need a a person in there like hey guys we're about to do x y and z and like, people are just like you know, some people are anxious some people are like oh i can't believe this team like sacramento i think was the team that people are like yeah. <laughs> about because they just hop uh, yeah, to right. the top four
1: where were you, like, in the, the – it's like a ballroom where the broadcast is, right? Yeah. Where are you in relation to, like, Jeff Weltman, Alex Martins, and that whole crew?
3: Um, To be honest, I don't, I'm not sure where they were sitting. I was way in the back, I guess, if that helps you out. Mm-hmm. I was just in the back because, like, the front row is – like, the front few rows are for, like, guests, team personnel, um, the players, prospects who are actually in attendance. So the media is like all the way in the back kind of closer so i was closer to where um the espn booth was set up or whatever like their stage was set up where you know where you have malika woe was like all of them up there uh i was back there so i couldn't actually see um the magics you know i couldn't see jeff john at first and then when i went up to the stage after it was over then i could see them so i'm not sure i imagine they were somewhere in the front because i think that's where. Most uh, NBA personnel. Was. What
2: what did you do, Kobe? And I mean, you could tell us or not. I guess if it's more private. What like after the number one pick? Like you're obviously putting together your piece and everything. Did you did you take like um did you go out in Chicago or like was there any festivity for you and, and any type of celebration or was it all work when you were when you were there?
3: No, I'll be honest with you, it was all work. Yeah. Uh, cause that night specific, I mean, it was also later because. Uh, yeah, after that, I mean, I wrote my story, fleshed it out. You know, mm-hmm. I think people saw the videos. You know, talk with Jeff, talk with um, Jamal, talk with Alex, talk, uh, talk with uh, Col DeVos, You know, just talking with people, and then I hope, like, I recorded a podcast that night. Um, well, around like ten PM, so I think we're done around like ten thirty. So after that, and then the next day is the when the the. Uh, the combine starts, like the actual NBA draft combine. So there wasn't really much time to be like, oh, not that I would anyway, but you got to get up extra early the next morning. So just kind of like straight work. I,
2: I had to ask because I know that, that, that Weltman, Joel Glass, I just – I know. you know, they I know they popped a bottle of champagne. I mean, I know their, their <laughs> night was fun. I know that. That's probably – that's got to be true.
3: Yeah, they wouldn't. They didn't give me the details about Celebration. (laughs) Uh, I know, I know, I'm sure we'll get into this a little later, but I know they had some long days. The the combine, I think, is underrated just how long it is. And we can get a little bit into why it's so long a little later. They had, especially Wednesday through, well, I guess the entire Monday through Friday, just a long week for everybody.
1: Well, let's rewind just a little bit. I want to know what your reaction was to the Magic getting the number one pick. So you see Houston's card come up at number two. What is next for Kobe Price?
3: Yeah, okay, I'm gonna even go back a little bit further. I okay. was at my lap, like so I, I wasn't like from fourteen to eight. I was kinda like, all right, let's just like get this over. Because they're not they're not gonna be in there. I'm more just interested in seeing like what other teams get in there. Like mm-hmm. are any other teams gonna like move around? Is the team gonna jump up? Like Sacramento not going was kinda like, huh, alright, let's see where this goes. So like from 14 to 8, I was just kinda like, alright. Once it gets to like seven. I'm like, all right. Let me get like, let me sit up a little bit. (laughs) Everybody knows that meme, right? With like the controller. (laughs) Oh yeah. Let me sit. Yeah. So then I'm like, I have my laptop open the entire time, uh, with like pre like stored like pre written stuff for there. So when they get to seven, I'm like, all right, gotta be ready because this team's luck, who knows, right? Mm. (laughs) If we get to like we're about to get to six, I need to be ready if if six pops up. So six doesn't pop up. I'm like, all right. I'm like really, I'm like I'm like ready for five. I'm like, oh, I can just. I'm feeling bad about this. So then five hit. When five hit, I was just like, all right, commercial. I didn't know there was going to be commercial break, so Mm -hmm. I just kind of put one up, be like, oh, I thank God, commercial break. (laughs) So then the countdown four, like from four to one, I was just kind of like shoulders tense, just ready to just write the entire time. So when two, when two comes, to be honest, I thought they were going to just stay stay pat. I thought they were going to get two. So I was ready for two. And when I see Houston's at two, the first thing I can say is, I'm not going to curse. Holy bleep. <laughs> That's the first thing I could think I was like, oh, bleep. I can't bleep and believe this. Uh, so I got the story up immediately. And I'm like, ah. Because I tell people, I knew that I was prepared for them to get number one. But I really, truly did not expect that to happen, especially in the history. But people were saying it's the, like they're due. Even talking to people Monday and Tuesday at the G League combine, they're like, oh, yeah, they're due to get number one. Like, they've had such bad luck recently. I'm like, yeah, maybe. Right. So when they get one, I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. This changes a lot.
1: Did
2: Did you, Kobe, like I, I, from a writer's perspective, I'm, I'm interested just um, as far as. When it's going on, did you have like a piece written for a magic getting each pick, or like did you um, did you just have a template that you kind of just went through like, or did you kind of brainstorm for all pieces and have it all on like certain docs and everything?
3: No, no. I, so that's what I was doing like the entire time when mm. like the picks weren't, were going from whatever. I, I think I said like seven or eight sit yeah. down to one. Right. I had pre-written stories for one through six because that's all I knew. Right. right? Um, so I had pre-written for one, two three and four were going to be like a similar story and five or six is going to be a similar story okay gotcha um so if that makes so i guess it's almost like four pre-written stories for the six picks one two yeah three and four and then five and six so when the commercial break hit i deleted five and six Mm -hmm. uh and like i like made made adjustments to one two three and four when three and four passed i deleted those quickly (laughs) um so I was just, I didn't really need to, to be honest with you. I could have just like waited, but I was just like, all right. Yeah. Because I'm not trying to make any mistakes. There's not going to be any error. Let's just get those out the way. It's a
2: checklist. So I just have
3: one. What's up?
2: It's a checklist for you. You're easy yeah, you're exactly. just check those off. Get them out of here.
3: Yeah. So I just have one and two, like ready to just copy and paste into into the doc. And when I saw Houston come up, um, uh, not not uh, OK OKC. Okay, See, okay, see. When I saw OKC okay, come up, I was like, oh, all right, one, let's go. Oh my gosh, what the heck's happening? Uh, how did this happen? What in the world is going on? So I just, then after that, I just went up to the stage. I was like, all right, let's figure this out.
1: So everybody comes off the stage, right? And then you've got, you know, Jeff and John and, uh, you know, Mosley, Cole DeVos. What was the, the energy like? I know we saw the videos after, but can you explain that a little bit? Describe that a little bit for us?
3: Oh, I mean, just the most, like, pure excitement from them. Like, the group was just there, you know. I, th- I wish I saw the, had the video in front of me. But like, I think, like, Jeff and John were, like, jumping up, and they're like, yeah, just, it was some of the most pure joy you can find, you know, amongst NBA personnel, uh, especially, like, front office outside of, you know, maybe winning a championship or whatever it may be. It, I think because especially, you know, they've been, you know, I guess outside of Mosley, they've all been, like, this, this core, you know, Joel, Jeff, John, uh, Alex, like they've been here for a while. So they've seen yeah. the misfortunes, you know, year in and year out with the draft. So I think some of it was just like, finally, this is our, you know, we finally you know, reaping benefits of this process, of this rebuilding process. I guess the ultimate benefits of it by getting the number one pick. So it was like some of the most pure joy um, and excitement you'll, you'll see, uh, I think, you know, considering the circumstances.
1: It was like that at Harry Buffalo too. It was just <laughs> pure, pure jubilation. We had a, we had a good time. Switching gears a little bit, Kobe. You were there for the draft lottery, but you were also there to cover the combine. I, I know there's a lot that goes on in, you know, just a couple minutes. Can you tell us everything that happens at the combine? Things that people might not realize.
3: Yeah, I think the combine. You know, I, I guess I'll touch on the stuff that people kind of know. You know, the most I'll kind of work to things that people don't know as well. So obviously, people know there are measurements. Um, players get interviewed in the in the morning, before the entire combine actually starts, you know, before the drills, before the scrimmages, before all that goes down, um, so you have your interviews typically in the morning. That's why that's why that person uh, person has to wake up so early because those can be as early as eight a uh, eight p- uh, eight a m. You know, so, you know, a lot of them are waking up, trying to get out by like seven thirty, do the interviews with the players, and those are how the interviews go. Is you know, before the draft lottery even happens. Teams will send in a list of, I guess you want to say, like requested players, guys they want to talk to. And I think it's team, teams can speak up to 20, uh, can interview up to 20 players. And players can talk to up to 13 teams during the combine. I think I'm, I think I'm remembering that correctly based off what the league told me. So they're like the leagues in charge of like figuring out who interviews with who, which names, you know. That that kind of stuff. So then the, the play, then the teams, you know, they go through it each morning. You know, interviewing the uh, the players. Then from there, you get your drills, you get your measurements, you get your scrimmages, um, and it, it gets, I guess, a little less busy as the the um, the combine goes on. Been, and at the end of the night, you get your pro days, uh, and that's like what makes the day so long because maybe by like four thirty to six thirty, the actual quote unquote NBA combine portion of it's over but then a lot of the agencies have their pro days after the combine so it may be like up to three or four agencies post combine inside the same gym having a pro day and those can last up to you know 30 minutes to an hour so if you end at six thirty, you could be in the gym till nine thirty that night watching you know three different agencies doing a combo uh doing the pro days so that's where you really get the long days you know you're talking about from seven thirty to nine thirty. you know interviews measurements scrimmages uh drills, and then you have the pro days at the end of the night um, run by uh, by the agencies. Um, and then, obviously, you know, within that, you know, they can still eat, but a lot of it's also a lot of mingling, you know, between personal, uh, between you know NBA teams and front offices and coaches, assistant coaches, scouts, like, they're all in there. Chad ended up uh, you know, just getting, you know, probably, I think how it's been described to me is, like, a lot of them just, you know, made me, like, see where each other's at, and it's also helpful because they Everybody knows where they're at in the lottery, so maybe you can get like a little bit of a feel. Like other teams can feel out like how the other team's feeling, what they're doing, how they're thinking. You know, The, the results are not the results. The, it's almost like laying the groundwork for the actual draft, and not just in terms of the scouting, but also like figuring out what other teams are thinking as well.
2: Did you speak, obviously, Kobe, like there's a lot going on, right? Like you said, they're super long days. Were you prepared for how long the days would be with that? Like, did you talk to other people that were on, you know, the beat for their team or whoever, just to get maybe people within like, for the magic, cover the magic as well. Is there, who, did you pick anybody's brain about like what to expect uh, for this whole trip? And especially for those long days?
3: Oh no, absolutely. I spoke with my editor about it because he he covered on the NBA for a while. So we spoke about it pretty extensively um, before the Combine. So I was prepared for how it would go, but um, this is the first Combine since COVID, Um, well I guess last year, but it was, I guess last year was even different. Like this was really, I guess the first one, I guess, to the level that it was in terms of the amount of people. so I was prepared for it, but once you actually, it's always like, you can like hear about it and learn about it, but once you're actually in there, mm-hmm. then you get a really, like a really much better feel for the rhythm of it. And I forgot to even mention, like for the media side, for us, a lot of, that's where we get to talk with a lot of the players. You know, we have the interviews after their scrimmages, depending on which team they're on. Um, so yeah, I, I, I knew what to expect, but even then I was just kind of like, it's like stuff was moving so quickly, especially... Wednesday, like by the time Thursday and Friday came, I was like, all right, I know what's going Mm -hmm. on. But Wednesday, it just felt like, Mm -hmm. like roadrunner. This is going on. That's going on. All right. Got to get here. Got to get, it's like, oh shoot. Yeah. There's a lot going on.
1: Right. Yeah. You just talked about the, like the player interviews a a moment ago. Um, You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was Wednesday was when like Paolo, Jabari, Chet, Shaden Sharper scheduled to meet with the media and I think it was Shaden Sharp first that canceled his media availability. Then all the other guys kind of followed suit pretty soon after that. Did you ever get a vibe for like why that was, or is that something that's pretty common at the
3: combine? Yeah. I don't think Shaden was the first one. I think it was like, it I was could a group of three. Yeah. Yeah. It was a group of three. I'm not remembering like who was in the group of three, um, but it was like, I want to say it was a group of three who, who was announced maybe like 45 minutes before They're supposed to speak that they weren't speaking Because it was the non um, The non scrimmage so the guys who Weren't scrimmaging they usually speak First on Maybe it's, yeah, maybe it's Wednesday, Wednesday or Thursday they usually speak First amongst like all the people all the, all the Participants but yeah It's typically something that may happen um, You know a lot Of the top guys they, they won't they don't scrimmage um, and they may not speak with the media. That, that's just, I think through, among like the consensus top seven, top 10, I think Keegan Murray was the only guy who spoke, the only guy, you know, who actually, you know, did his media availability. And to his credit, like, he not only did it, but he was there for a minute too. Like he, I remember he was speaking for a solid amount of time. Cause I remember seeing like, there was a crowd around him at first. So I was like, right, I'm gonna come back a little later to speak with him. Then I came back. And then I spoke with him for a little bit, and then when I left, and I came back. Like there were some people speaking with him. So he, to his credit, like he did the, uh, his full, he did his full thing. He did his full, uh, his full slot. But yeah, a lot of times, like the top guys, they they don't do as much as say a guy who's trying to make their way from the second round to the first mm-hmm. round, or even a guy who's trying to like stay in the first round, uh, so to speak, or you know, guys who are just trying to fight for a spot. Period
2: was there anybody kobe that you spoke to that just like blew you away that not necessarily that you didn't have high expectations for but was there anybody that was surprising to you that in like an interview setting they just absolutely crushed it when you were you know around
3: oh i think all like most of the guys i spoke to um were pretty good key like i'll just give uh, i'll give credit to keegan again really solid interview um Really, really solid. And I guess that, you know, something that goes back to his maturity and his age, I think he is, what, 21? Um, so, of like the prospects, he's on the older side of them, three years removed from high school, um, among the top prospects, at least. Um, and then Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, another guy who I spoke with a decent amount. Um, good, Another good interview, too.
1: Was there a, a prospect in terms of like on the floor that really surprised you at the Combine?
3: Um, on the floor. I mean, I guess I knew. I'll go back to Jalen Williams. I knew he was good. Um, but he like it, it was more than just his on the floor. It was his measurements and the on the floor. I think of the one scrimmage I saw, he did. Um, he just pops. Uh, and some of it, like some of it, you're trying to like remember, like oh, which guy? Because they're wearing different numbers, so you're just trying to like, like catch up. So there weren't a whole lot of guys that surprised me in that way. But he just stood out immediately. He was Like, oh yeah, that guy's probably gonna. I mean, it seemed like. Especially after the combine, he's just going to rise in this, uh, in whatever post, post lottery, post combine uh, mock drafts or draft boards because he's like the talent level is clear and the poise and the tools were clear with him.
1: I know there are some uh, some people that were hoping the Magic might be able to draft him in the second round. From what Kobe is saying, it doesn't sound like he might be there in the second round.
3: Yeah, if he if he gets to the second round, uh, I'll say it her. i I'd be shocked. Um, or let I me. Mean, I'll be surprised I'll be very surprised maybe not shocked because I know how this, this stuff goes but he's definitely a guy who if he was like projected in that late first early second stage before the lottery which i think he was then so he's definitely you know somewhere in that late first range if you fill out this the second round I'd be quite surprised
2: now I guess that's a a good segue Kobe for as far as like when it comes to draft night and what the magic do it is no secret. That the Magic have kind of strayed from their second picks, their second round picks um, on those draft nights. Do you expect the Magic to stay put? I mean, adding two additional young guys could be, you know, a a little worrisome, I think, for Magic fans to just continue to add young players to this already young roster. Do you what do you think or do you have any type of sense of, of what the Magic do with those second round picks come draft night?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, well, first, I think John Hammond, you know, even during the, the telecast of the combine, I think he openly said, like, they're looking into, you know, what they mm-hmm. could do with second round, possibly trade right into the back end of the first round. And, you know, something like that, I, I would right now, and this is more so, you know, speculation with a little bit of information, Uh, I would expect them to try to get into the, like, very much push them to get into the back end of the first round just because, like, to your point, um, even if it's not both picks, like, maybe they keep us maybe they, own, like, trade it to the back with only one and then they still have a second and then, like, two first, I guess. I would just be surprised if they came out of there using both seconds. Um, it, for the reasons you said, uh, but also I think there's opportunity for them to, you know, maybe get their guy, right? Like, maybe they're, like, their guy, they're not as confident he's going to fall to 32. So maybe they could try to trade until, you know, 22, 24, 26, you know, somewhere in that range to get their guy in the back in the first round who they thought maybe could have been in the second round, but they really want to secure their guy. Um, but yeah, I, I would be, I, I would be surprised if they use both second round picks. I'd be extremely surprised if they use both second round picks. I'm expecting them to only at, at most use one of the second round picks. Now the other one, may, maybe they traded out to another year if they can't get into the back end of this first round like trade it like maybe they just try to roll over into another year but i don't see them adding two, to to you i guess use both second round picks in this draft i would be quite surprised
1: so kobe said this was speculation with a little bit of information so <laughs> listeners do with that what you will uh Kobe i want to take this opportunity to shift gears a little bit from the second round to the first round the magic first pick in the first round obviously we talked about this off camera before we started recording. But Magic fans are like drawing into factions, and it's getting tribal. It's getting nasty on Twitter. (laughs) Team Chet, Team Jabari, Team Paolo. Just like round robin really quickly, can you go through what you think kind of each of those three prospects offers the Magic? And then uh, who do you think the Magic take on draft night?
3: Oh, man. All right. uh, First off, the discourse is getting nasty. I need everybody (laughs) to take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. Um, all right, so let me go in alphabetical order. So I think that would be Paulo first, right? Uh, then Kara, I'll do alphabetical by last name. I was about I to say, I don't know,
2: or, I don't know much, but yeah. P is not before C, yeah.
3: No. <laughs> it's, the, it's, the, it's the journalism, alphabetical by last name, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so so with Paulo, you no, know, just the, the scoring, uh, scoring skill set is something that really pops out. You know, he has the potential to grow into the kind of three level score. Um, that really thrives on this level, you know. The shooting, you know, it's there. It can be proved a little bit, but you can see the 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 tools of a guy who can, you know, get to the level of you know being reliable from three. You know, can be be reliable from mid range, and then also you know be effective at the rim. And then he's also, you know, sometimes his passing is overlooked. You know, he offers that you know a guy who can operate from the perimeter, but even maybe the po- well, you know, mid post, pinch post, um, block to, you know, be a hub and be able to pass, be able to distribute, but also look for his own shot in multiple ways. His defense is something that I'm a little concerned about. Not extremely, just a little bit concerned because there is a, um, you know, you wanna, you want when you're looking at this, you know, you're, you're seeing, you know, the playoffs, you know, both guys who are effective at a high level on both ends. And he's a guy you just wonder, like, is he going to be that effective on both ends? Um, some people believe yes. Yeah, some people say, oh, they're not really sure. And there also is... A, uh, or not a question, but something that I guess he'll need to prove once he gets an NBA of how much of his production of in the college was based on him being a physical mismatch against college guys. I'm gonna explain this well, but like him just being able to physically impose his way on college guys better than he'll be able to in the pros, if that makes sense. Like yeah, he's, he was he's, a man amongst
1: at- boys in that co- in college.
3: Yeah, so when the playing field gets a little bit more even physically, will he be able to dominate the same way that he did in college? That's something that I, I've heard—not um, heard—is is a not a concern, but something that's also you know being put into this, um, into gets into the intel of his scouting. Right? Um, what's 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 uh, Chet? There we go. Must say, what's what's the next alphabet order? <laughs> Chet, uh, you know, for him, it's. It's just the potential, right? You know. But also he he did produce. It's not like this is a guy just like it's just this raw, you know, talent. Like there is a very you know, um refined skill set there on both ends. You know, I think the shot blocking nerve protection is the first thing that really jumps out, you know, that size, that length, the coordination, the quickness, the agility, you know, to have a guy who can be a hub, a hub defensively. Is something that you don't get a lot from year to year. Just a guy you can be like, you know what? No matter what's going on, on the floor, we put this guy, on, you know, in the middle of our defense. We're going to be a good defense, no matter what's going on, no matter who we put around him. Or if we have Jalen, Cole, Franz, Wendell, whoever's going to be on the floor, we're going to have a good defense because this guy's going to grow into a multi-talented defender. And then he has an offensive game that didn't really get to get shown um, as much. But you can see, you know, the shooting touches there, the touch around the rim is there, the passing is there, you know, the way he operates in transition, fluid, smooth at that size is something that you don't see a lot of. You know, there's also belief that, you know, he can be effective off the dribble, you know, to to the extent you're not sure, will he grow into that, you know, that kind of number one scoring option that you hope to get with the number one pick? Still very much unknown, but you can see a little bits and pieces of that um, as a role man a uh, guy pick and pop game like there's just so much versatility in his game that I think intrigues people but also scares people because you know you do have the size and you just kind of like is he going to be able to um, be physically be able to physically impose his way on the game that you want you know from a guy of 7 feet 7 foot plus um, and then with Jabari this, just the, the shooting is like the first thing that really pops out with you right just the and a, one of the more elite shooting prospects we've seen in what, I can't even remember the last time we've seen a guy who comes in, like, a, not just shooting, but shooting with that size. And then be able to shoot from anywhere on the floor, you know, not just the three, but he, he can, you can give the ball to him in the mid post, and just shoot over anybody. Um, And then defensively, the ability to switch, you know, one to four, you know, two to four, just a big, long wing, or forward rather. Who from day one he just feels like he can just go on the floor, he can just play, and you don't have to worry about it. Like even if he doesn't live up to the, the potential he has, get the handle right, get the scoring, um, self creation ability all the way there, you just feel like he's going to be able to contribute from day one. I see there's some smiles going on here, so
2: there's there's none, man. There's none. Nope. There's none. Nope. Oh, nope.
3: No smiles and laughs.
1: Nope. No. 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 We
2: uh, no. So so Jonathan and I have been we. I I, I teetered a lot longer, for sure, than Jonathan, but we recently had um, Eric Fawcett on who covers the draft for NBA Canada, Japan, India, all those entities – um, and he was definitely like the most convincing guest that we've had about Jabari specifically, right? Um, people, cause a lot of people like to talk about, you know, who try to knock on Jabari. They say he's a three and D guy glorified, like he's not going to be, you know, much more than that. And then, you know, Eric was really able to, uh, break down Jabari and, and, and what he was able to do, um, his touches and, and how, you know, a lot of people try to talk about, you know, the, as far as Jabari goes, Um, with you know his dribbles you saw i'm sure you saw the graphic kobe where they talked about like the amount of dribbles jabari took it was like whatever it was 90 dribbles and and 93 shots or something like that right and it was field goals made it was field goals right, 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 right yeah so eric's point was like that's just efficient like that that's not that shouldn't be used as like a knock on like his you know inability to dribble and create whatever it might be he's efficient He's taller than everybody. He's shooting over everybody outside on the perimeter. So I, I think that you know Jabari is kind of the guy that I've landed on. He made me feel a lot better about Paolo, you know, on that episode as well. And I came into it thinking like Chet one or two, and now Chet's kind of lower on the totem pole for me at, at three. And and it's not. It just is what it is, man. It's crazy. Chet is scary for both better and worse. Chet is scary. So I want to ask you, Kobe. Where are you kind of leaning in all of this? And do you find yourself like kind of flip-flopping as much as we do? Or have you just done enough research that you're like, no, I just clearly know like uh, where I'm at on these prospects.
3: Yeah. Before I answer that, I want to hear Jonathan's uh, part of it too. Luke, you explain so, stuff, aren't
1: you? so I I love Jabari and Eric did a great job of kind of putting some of my concerns about like his shot creation at ease because it was, it was like 96 dribbles, 93 field goals made it. And he's like, what is wrong with a guy that doesn't need a lot of dribbles to create his own shot? What, what's what's the problem with that? They weren't all spot-ups. A lot of it was just like, you know, jab, step, one dribble, pull-up, or, you know, jab, step, one dribble, step back, three. So he, he was, in his own way, efficient at creating his own shot effectively. But to me... I really if I'm the front office, I really have to be convinced that he is going to evolve into a number one option, because if he doesn't, then he's really just like a glorified three and D guy, right? He's, he's long. He's a very versatile defender. We know he can shoot the crap out of the basketball. But if he doesn't evolve as a shot creator and as a playmaker for others, to me, he's just like, you know, Mikhail Bridges at 610, which is a good player, but it's not a guy that you draft number one overall. You know what I mean? So, I love the idea of Jabari. Like, if, if you're John Hammond yeah. and Jeff Weltman and you tell me, no, Jonathan, we are so convinced this guy is going to evolve to be a number one option, then I take him running away from the other two guys. That's just me personally. But I that is what I don't know about Jabari. What I don't know about Chet, if it is his body going to withstand 80 to 100-plus basketball games a year at this level? To me, Paolo is the safest pick because... I'm pretty confident what he's going to be. The defense doesn't really worry me because of the guy that we have at the head of this team, Jamal Mosley. He's not going to let anybody come on this team and not put for, you know put forth their best effort defensively. That's just the culture that they've built. So, I'm leaning Jabari, but I am I'm 100% honest when I say this, I will be fine with whoever we take on the 23rd.
3: Yeah, no, for sure. It's funny. You said I laugh a little bit. You said a sixteen Macell Bridges is like, oh my gosh, that'd be a hell of a player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, McCullough is like, is I think he's like six seven. If he was three yeah, inches so. I'd be like, oh my gosh. Um, but no, that's the thing that's that's so interesting to me about this this top three. I feel like regardless of who's taken, like you got to be happy with the guy. Like, there's a certain level of happiness with the guy because they're all. Well, I guess outside of Chet. Like, Paulo and Jabari are, like, to me, forwards, right? And then Chet's, like, this a big. And I guess Paolo is more of a big. So, I guess Paulo and Chet project to be more bigs or whatever, positions. Uh, uh, but, yeah, so it's, it's really interesting. They're all kind of, like, these guys who can be, like, all right, you can play maybe most likely going to be a four or a five, you know, depending on the lineups. Um, but they just bring, like, all different sides of the game with a little bit of interla- uh, overlap, but there's just like these very different players in a way. Um, so yeah, just like a very interesting, like I guess frontcourt players to have three frontcourt players be like the consistent top three, but they're all so distinct from one another um, in multiple different ways. It's actually really interesting. I can't wait to see, I know this is looking way too far ahead, but like five years from now, mm. it's like how the distinctions grow or how they maybe come together. Because there are parts of There are parts of paulo's game i wish um jabari had and vice versa right uh and then chet just like chet's such a different kind of prospect with that size and it's just like you're your own kind of Mm -hmm. you're your own kind of guy like there's no and that's what makes like you said so scary but also so fascinating right like you're your own kind of prospect we have nothing to base us off of or very little to base us off of um you I'm not trying to stray too far away from the point. Luke, you asked me like where I'm, I'm leaning right now personally, um, and this is I was feeling this way going into the lottery, um, and then talking with, you know, scouts, front office people, um, just people around the league about this. Jabari's kind of my guy, um, who I should feel like should be number one. Mm-hmm. And I'll and I'll explain why Jabari and then I'll also like kind of back up, you know, Apollo and Chet too. Because I'm not trying to make it, it's not so much like what they aren't, it's just more so I think what Jabari can be. Um, So for me, there is a, like to me, I said earlier, there's a baseline of he's going to be productive offensively. It may not be, you know, give him the ball with, you uh, you know, give him the ball at the top of the key, you know, everybody move out and just go to work. It may not be that, you know, at least from day one or day two or year one or year two, whatever. But there's a very strong baseline for what you can do. And it, 3 and D, I think, undersells what his like. When we talk about shooting, it's not just outside shooting. It is, you could throw it to him um, in the post and just tell him, get your shot off. And he's going to be able to do it because he just has the ability to shoot over his defender more often than not. And that's a skill that sometimes, no, we, can re- we watch it and we like it, but that's a skill that I think sometimes you don't, take into account we talk about shooting. That is like a valuable sh- – like it's a valuable shooting skill. Be able to get it off of anybody from any spot on the floor without needing a dribble, So, um, to Aries' point, he doesn't need a dribble with that. You can just throw it to him and he can just get uh, – he can just go up. Yep. So to me, there's already going to be a baseline of, all right, he's going to be able to contribute as a scorer offensively no matter what. Then you add in the versatility defensively. But, and not just versatility, but also the effort. And you just know there's a certain – no, and this isn't disparaging anybody else, but there's a certain level of just steadiness with him that you just feel like, no matter what's going to happen, Jabbar's going to be able to bring X, Y, and Z. He does need to improve his handle um, to be able to just create a little bit more because there are going to be defenders who you know, can match him physically. Um, can match him physically, can match him lengthwise, who can just disrupt him a little bit more, and he'll have to find a way to create his separation a little bit better you know, without... You know, kind of more so self-create that space, and I think the handle can like the handle, such a thing that I think it can improve, um, very much so, and I think that's the kind of thing that can improve quicker than say a shot. I think it takes a little bit more time to improve in shot than it does a handle. Um, I the finishing like being able to create inside the arc, or I guess more so in the paint, being able to get like actually drive to the paint and finish there. That's where I'm just kind of like, you need to figure that out. But even that's something I feel like, all right, you can work on that. And that's something with a better handle. He'll be able to grasp better. Because the shot and the touch makes me feel like once he gets there, he should be able to finish better. It's just about taking that step to getting there. Um, So I think that's the main thing he'll need to work on. But there's a certain level of confidence I have that he'll get there, um, if that makes sense. Like That's the main thing I'm just trying to figure out. Can you work on your handle enough to the point where you can create separation and then create lanes for yourself? that you can do more so on your own skill than having to rely on others, if that makes sense. And I think he can get there. I have a, the higher confidence level, he can get there. And once you get that player, mm. we're talking about, you know, a go-to option, 20, 25, you know, 22, 25, whatever, guy, day in and day out. Um, Paul, I guess I'll go with Paulo. Paulo, I, I kind of, I guess, spoke on him. Like, I believe he's going to be a very solid player. And not just because of the scoring, not just because of the three of scoring, but I think he's, he's a good passer. He's a guy who I just feel like, you know, you can throw into a bunch of, bunch of different systems. He should be able to go to work and just thrive. Um, defensively, I do agree, Jonathan, that, you know, you put him in Orlando. I think some of the defensive concerns are a lot, a little overblown. They're not like, he's not a slouch. He is active. He will have energy. He will bring it. It's just there's a certain level of, I don't know if it will be elite. Right. I can see Jabbar being elite. I don't, I can see Chet becoming an elite. I don't know if Paulo's going to be an elite. Maybe he will be. This isn't, you know, everybody's young. They can grow. But uh, trying to see the framework of an elite defensive player for him, I don't see it. I can see it for Jabari very early on. Um, And even, I guess, to the same level, the same extent with Chet. Uh, With Chet, there's just, uh, I like Chet. There's. I, I kept going back and forth between him, Chet, and Jabari for a lot of this time. Um. The, the potential for where he could be and I think Gonzaga the way that they played almost undersold his skills. There's a lot more skill than he was able to show. And I think the good thing about him is he doesn't play away from contact. He like he will he's up for the physical challenge. But it's just I think it will take him a little bit more time to get to his ceiling if you know if he gets to his theoretical ceiling where he think he can be. And I'm just not and maybe this is me being more safer. Um, I'm just not sure if we'll get there to that point. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. But I'm just not. I'm not as sure. I'm not as certain about Chet as I am with Jabari. If that makes any mm. sense.
1: Yeah. What? Uh, we know that the Magicker are very tight-lipped. What, if anything, are you hearing from the organization in terms of you know they might be leaning one way or the other?
3: Uh, from organization, nada. No. Yeah, that's to what I figured. About what yeah. I mean, you can, you, you get more feel around from people around the league than the actual organization. Um, I mean, I think it's been said, so I'm it. I think most people view this as a two person, you know, one, two is between Chet and Jabari. That's the feel. That's what I was hearing when I was, uh, in Chicago. And just even speaking with people after uh, since Chicago, you know, that's the feeling I got It's between Chet and Jabari. Um, yeah, but from the actual organization itself, now you're not going to get a whole lot out of them in yeah, terms of yeah. that. But yeah, I, I'm from what I'm hearing and what I'm being told, I, I think it's pretty much between those two. Unless something, I obviously, things can change and it could change, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be, be, be between those.
2: Two. Who now, obviously, you know, like you're saying, like to you, it's a two man draft. And that's something that I've been kind of saying for the last couple of weeks. Is that it? Just feels like uh, you know Apollo's kind of by the wayside, right? Like he's a safe plug-and-play type of guy that you hope can become elite, but you're just not sold that he will. Now, at the end of the day, I won't be surprised at, at any of these guys becoming elite. I think that they're all great in their own right. Like you said, they're all very different. And there's definitely things that you could make the the best player of all time probably if you took like their elite skills from each of them and just gave them Chet size and and that it's over right. Um, so, yeah. but going back to what I was saying was, you know, you you've got a feeling it's Chet Jabari. Do you not like what you want? But if you had to really put a pinpoint on number one, who is it? Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. I, I, I mean, for the reasons I, said, I kind of said earlier, but I think that would, if we were like, what's today? Uh, whatever today is, if we were going into like today, been out, I, I think if the draft were like tomorrow like evening, I'd be like, they're probably going to pick Jabari. Yeah. That, that would be
1: Vegas tends to agree.
3: Really? I, that's crazy. I actually haven't checked he's, Vegas. He's the... Him.
1: Like by far the betting favorite right now, he's at minus four hundred. Yeah, and I think earlier today when I when I checked, uh, next was Chet at plus one fifty. Yeah, so he's the Dude. strong betting favorite right now, Jabari and Paulo. They're yeah, they're I saying guess. doesn't have a chance. <laughs> it's due to yeah. like Jud
2: by the odds, he's like plus something crazy. I don't even know what it was. I had plus a thousand or plus two thousand or yeah. something like that.
3: That's funny. I haven't checked. I'm, I'm being honest. I haven't checked Vegas's odds. Mm-hmm. I mean, Maybe I checked them after the lottery, just like stumbled upon yeah, them. I've right. not. I haven't even thought about that. This Vegas knows, man. Vegas knows. They always uh, know something.
1: They know
2: something. Vegas about.
3: always knows something. But yeah, I think that's it's, it's funny because if the Magic or Thunder didn't win the like if they weren't one and two, I think it would be different. Yeah. You know, in terms of like who I think Paulo have a better chance if you know, if Houston was number one, mm-hmm. I think they'd probably would have a much better chance of being draft number one. But it's just like the Magic and Thunder being these kind of teams that they right. are. Um, I think one and two is going to be between yeah. Jabari and Chet. I'm pretty sure Jabari uh, is going to be number
2: one. I also wonder how different it would be if there was other teams that wanted to outside of OKC and Orlando solely because not because of fit or, or players or whoever, um, but just because of front office. Right. Like you said, the Magic, very tight lipped. Okay, see, tight-lipped as well. So you just wonder, like, would there be a consensus number one at this point, if it was different, a different team at number one, just because they, you know, for whatever reason, they're not as tight-lipped. Um, we know that's the case with a lot of these teams in the NBA, that the information gets out somehow. So I, I do wonder if 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 the picks were switched, kind of, if we would already know. Is there already a consensus number one? It's starting to feel like Jabari is is getting to that point but I just don't know it's kind of going up against time right like I just don't know by June 23rd if it's going to be fleshed out all the way but I wouldn't be shocked I'm starting to feel that way myself and I don't know if it's just because of things that are silly like Vegas odds although I do put stock into that um, as well as like my own personal feeling and what we're hearing I it's I don't know, man. It's hard as the top pick in the draft to not have your number one, like preference revealed, but if anybody can do it, it's the magic.
3: Yeah. And I guess I wouldn't be, like I said, this is all saying, I wouldn't be surprised if Chet was the guy like mm-hmm. Chet, very much fits.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Very, but very much fits what the magic have gone for, you know, and other players shoot. I mean, they, you know, guys who they still have on the roster, right. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, on the team last year. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the magic came away from this, like, oh, we can't, we can't, you know, we can't pass up on chess potential upside, right? I could very much see that being the case too. Um, But there's, you know, something about Jabari I want just, Mm
2: -hmm.
3: something about just sticking on me right now. So maybe it changed, you know, they still have to, at this moment right now, I don't believe, you know, any of those three have done their workouts with Orlando yet. So there's still obviously things can change and I really want to emphasize that because it is so tight it's at the top, things can change. Um, but as of right now, I'm, I'm leaning more to Shabari.
1: Is there a possibility that we don't see those guys work out for the team? We just see them come in for interviews.
3: Uh, I mean, I guess if, if anything's possible, right? I guess anything's possible, but is I, it I, likely? I like, yeah, I would say it's probably not likely that they would, I feel like they would actually, you know, get on the floor and do something like something to some extent. Um, Do interviews get Mosley out Uh, there with him, baby? There would be like a (laughs) (laughs) get Mosley out there, see me guard uh, Mm -hmm. Paulo. Yeah, yeah, like like we saw with like we saw when he he
2: was like almost fresh off the plane. He was already in the gym with Mo Bamba. So I remember that very well and gave me a good feeling. Yeah, just throw 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 Jamal out there. I don't know what if there's rules to that or whatever. I don't care. Throw Jamal on the court. I want to see Jamal in the post for sure.
3: Something tells me that's not allowed, but I'll make sure to tell him <laughs> yeah. that uh, these workouts. Hey, go, go guard them now.
1: <laughs> Kobe, uh, where are you going to be draft night?
3: We shall see. I'm still figuring that out. Uh, yeah, we shall see. I'll, I'll know, hopefully, by the end of this week.
1: Well, uh, if you're going to be in Orlando, we'd we, uh, like to see a at Harry Buffalo before the uh, Orlando Magic Draft Party. We'll be there hanging out a little bit, and then we'll walk over to Amway for the official Magic Draft Party.
3: Yeah, if I'm if I'm in Orlando, I'll definitely because I know if I, if I'm in Orlando, I'll be going to the uh, mm-hmm. they, the team has their you know, for the media they have like their draft watch thing as well.
1: Right.
3: Um, so if I'm in Orlando, I'll I'll definitely be going there. I mean, they're going to be in Orlando or New York, so right? One right. Of those two.
1: Back at Barclays, just kind of plopped right in the middle of Brooklyn. There, right.
3: Yeah. And the thing is, I really like the arena. It's just like such a, I mean, like it's more of a New York thing. Even with Madison Square Garden, it just feels like it's like more centralized. Right. Maybe I don't know Brooklyn as well. So maybe that's why it feels kind of just like, oh, you just here. Mm-hmm. Well, I've heard that from kind of-
1: a lot of people, actually, that it just feels kind of yeah. awkwardly placed in the middle of Brooklyn.
3: Yeah, it's kind of like anything could have been there. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you like moved three blocks over or five blocks over, would be like, oh, all right, there it is again. Just yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Awesome. You could be anywhere. So, yeah.
1: Well, two and a half weeks until the draft. Again, we're recording this on uh, June 5th. So, just a, a little, you know, a little under, uh, over two and a half weeks, depending on how you look at it. But, Kobe, thank you for joining the show again, man. We're looking forward to the rest of your coverage, you know, into the draft, summer league, next season, all that kind of stuff. And uh, appreciate you coming on the show. We'll see you at Amway next season.
3: Absolutely appreciate you having me on. Really do.
1: Uh, really quick, uh, let every know, everyone know where they can find you, where they can find all your work.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, K-H-O-B-I underscore P-R-I-C-E. Uh, go to the Orlando Sentinel. You can find all of my work there. Subscribe. I'm going to say it again. Subscribe. Because uh, that's how you, what you got to do to free my work. So let's, let's right. do this. Keep I am subscribed.
1: Out. So uh, the rest of you go. out there, TK. subscribe. Of course, bro. we got to support my man. So, Kobe, thank you for joining the show, bro.
3: I appreciate
1: y'all for real. That was our interview with Kobe Price. Shout out Kobe Price. Thank you for joining the podcast. Hopefully we'll see Kobe Price, Harry Buffalo, June 23rd. If not, we know that he is in New York at the draft, which would be super cool for him. So, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, that happens for him. I know he's just trying to figure out where he's going to be that night. Luke, one thing we didn't talk about in the intro, the Magic Mm -hmm. are losing uh, Matt Lloyd, who's been with the Magic for 10 years. He just most recently was the assistant GM, um, and now he is off to Minnesota to be the uh, senior vice president of uh, basketball operations under Tim Connolly. There, Tim Connolly's first hire after leasing, leaving the Denver Nuggets for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Again, Matt Lloyd was with the team for ten years. Uh, was really involved with like the the scouting department. Uh, did a lot of work on you know all of the drafts and everything like that and by all cases is super well-liked in the organization and across the league we will miss Matt Lloyd and, you know, definitely wish him the best in Minnesota. Yep. And uh, you know, it has just been long 10 years
2: and with every, you know, organization, it seems like Chicago, he was there for 13 years um, really building up his, his network and, and I'm assuming gaining trust um, and, and, you know, people trusted him enough to be in the roles that he is in incredible hire for, for minnesota we knew it was coming i uh, just didn't know when
1: and so congratulations to matt lloyd yeah i think he started in like public relations in chicago mm-hmm. and then like just worked his way up onto like the basketball ops side of things so again uh, you know matt lloyd will miss you miss you wish you the best of luck in uh, in, in minnesota not too much luck you know we want to win a, a, a title obviously but sure. uh but yeah congrats to matt lloyd Uh, Yeah, uh, again, folks, June 23rd, the night of the draft. We will be at Harry Buffalo before the draft party from 5 o'clock to 6.30. Then we'll head over to Amway for like the Magic's official draft party. So make sure that you guys come out. Uh, Again, shout out to Kobe Price. For Luke, Sylvia, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You guys are listening to The Six Man Show. We will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Six Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Man Show and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!